Andrew and Mel are sunning themselves in Mildura, hopefully, and they will be for the next couple of weeks. Those, those guys pour so much in, in this house that they deserve to have a holiday, they deserve the break, and I believe that they've uh, overdue a number of weeks off, so... Yeah, we just, we just pray that it will be good and they'll be having a good time of refreshment and recovery. And we're missing Trevor and Adria today as part of our ministry here and his ministry here. He's speaking, I believe, installed today. So um, support to those and we just pray that all goes well there too. So. I want to talk about promises today. Have we noticed... Do you notice how promises so often carry conditions? We, we make promises to our, our kids. If they behave in the supermarket, they'll get something on the way out. We have promises in our daily lives that if, if, if they eat all of their meal, they'll get a treat after dinner. If all goes well at work, we might get a bonus. If we go well at school, we get a prize. The Bible's full of promises. I think you find there's hundreds of them. God's promise in the rainbow to Noah. And in Genesis 15, God makes a promise to Abram regarding his descendants in the promised land. In Psalm 91, reads, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feather, feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. You will make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge. Then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. It's a psalm of promise, promise and protection. If you look at verse 1 though, it says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And again in verse 9, if you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge. There's an expectation on us to dwell with the Lord, to make our shelter and our home with the Lord. 
And that's repeated through a lot of these promises. But the one I really want to focus on today is Jeremiah 29.11. And I don't know that we need to turn to it because we should all, should all know it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It's a promise that we hear repeated again and again. We read it again and again. In, 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 uh, it, it, it's just used so much. But it's a conditional promise. Verses 12 and 13, or first part of 13, carry the conditions. Verse 12 says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's conditional. So what, what does it look like to seek God? What does it mean to dwell with God? I believe we can get clues from those who sought and found and those who were sought by God. We can look at Noah. In Genesis 6, Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah walked with God. That went really well for him, didn't he, to walk with God. He and his family were, were the only ones that were on the ark, apart from a few thousand animals. You can look at Joshua. Joshua was chosen to be an aide to Moses. He was one of the twelve who explored the promised land, and he was one of two who remained focused on getting there. Joshua had a special relationship with God. Exodus 33:11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face, as a man speaks with his friend. It reads that Moses would return to the camp, and his aide Joshua did not leave the tent. It was when the tent was set up outside the camp, Moses would go and speak with God. And Joshua was with him, but Joshua stayed there. We could look at others. There's a, you can pick so many people out of the Bible to look at who walked with God. But the one I really want to look at is David. David is a man after God's heart. In 1 Kings 14.8, it says, he tore, I tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you. But you have not been like my servant David who kept my commands and followed me with all his heart, doing only what was right in my eyes. We can see if we can figure out how he walked so closely with God and see if we can apply that to our lives. Did David live his life by Jeremiah 12 and 13? When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. When you get serious about finding me, and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. So David was a shepherd. In his younger years, he was a shepherd. He tended his father's sheep. A little bit different to how sheep are managed today, but out in the countryside, David would spend his days and his weeks out there just watching the sheep do what sheep do. So he would have had his guitar or his harp or whatever with him, and while you're watching sheep graze around, what do you do? You sit there and you 
playing music and singing songs and playing music and singing songs and and he found a way to get close to God. David was a worshipper. He developed his musical skills and he spent hours worshipping. He sought God and he found him. We know that David showed no fear. He fought wild animals. He took down Goliath with a single shot. And we see that when David played the harp in Saul's court, that Saul's spirit changed. That there's something in behind what David did, what David found, in David's ability to worship, that he got close to God. David had an opportunity to kill Saul when Saul was hunting him down. But he chose not to. He chose to respect the king of the time, anointed by God. So so David worshipped and David had respect for God's wishes. David knew his position with God and through love and adoration respected that. So we look at things that David had written, like Psalm 18. It's a psalm of David where he writes, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I am saved from my enemies. David knew who he was with God. Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Psalm 104. Praise the Lord, O my soul. How many of the Psalms of David have found themselves into scriptural song, into hymns, whether it's just a single verse or, or more? David spent time with God and he sought and he found. And that showed through all through scripture. For us to become like David, like David's relationship with God, we need to be worshippers. We don't need to be perfect. David was not perfect. But we need how to, to learn how to worship God unreservedly. There's something else contained in this passage of Jeremiah. The more I looked at it, the more I found that there was more to it. So we look at verses 5 and 6. It says, Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry, have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. 
to look at where the people were when this Jeremiah 29 passage came to be. And look at their state of mind. Jeremiah 29 is a letter to the exiles. The people of Jerusalem had been carried away. You can look at 2 Kings 25 and it, it's a fairly long passage. I won't, won't go right through it but if we go there We can see in the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, on the tenth day of the eighth month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, marched against Jerusalem with his whole army. They camped outside the city and held at siege for two years. Nothing going in, nothing coming out. And then they broke down the walls. They set fire to the temple. They killed the young men, young women. They burnt the houses. They broke down buildings. They destroyed the city. And then what was left was carried off into exile. So th these were people that were broken. They were refugees. They'd gone through two years of, of nothing coming in and out of their lives. No food, no... The water supply had possibly dried up. They're, they were enforced into famine. And then to top that off, their homes were destroyed. Their lives were destroyed. They were the people that had survived, but they were broken. And now they were slaves. They were refugees, and they were slaves. So you go back to this, this passage in Jeremiah. At, at that time, there'd been a lot of false prophets that they'd been told this was going to happen because they had dishonoured God. So the land was to lay exile for 70 years. That God spoke to Jeremiah and this is the letter that came out. So it was a word of encouragement. It told the people to get into a position to receive to build houses, to plant gardens, to make homes, to raise families. The, the things to do to plan for a future. That God was saying, stop looking back. Stop grumbling about what's going wrong. Don't get into that position and get ready to receive. So where are we when, when things go wrong? Where do we go? How do we behave? How do we react when our we don't get the job or the promotion we're looking for? When when our kids play up, when when love fails us, what do we do? Do we look back? Do we complain about what's going wrong? Or do we move on? Do we do we deal with the issue that's that's happening in our lives and then start to move forward? To to get into a position to receive the promises that are coming. God's saying to, to, to the people here and as a corporate thing, stop looking back. This is what I've got planned for you. Make lives for yourselves. Make something happen. Make things start to be good. Then the promise is there. Then you can seek me. Then you can receive. And 
A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Andrew had thrown a, a comment in that it's choices, not chances, that determine our future. And that applies so much with these people here, and it applies to us. We don't choose the circumstances that come upon us, but we can choose how we react in that time. We can choose how we come through that time. We can allow these things that come against us to, to drag us down. Or with God's strength, we can push through it. A few weeks ago, the, there was a big promotion through the, the football world. The story on Sunday night or 60 Minutes, I think it was Sunday night, of Neil Danaher. I think anyone who knows football knows the Danaher family. But he was confirmed a couple of years ago with MND motor neurone disease no cause, no, no cure it's basically a death sentence it's a disease that stops muscles working eventually the, the muscles in the, the chest stop working basically stop breathing and he, in watching that story there's, there's one statement he made he said he was, he was going home from the doctor with the diagnosis he said I could sit here and feel sorry for myself or I can make a choice to live for my family and move forward and through whatever time he had left be able to enjoy what was going on, be there for his family. At so many, so many cases you see this, uh, people decide to not allow their circumstances their illness, their, their diagnosis that they get to hold them back. To say, well, in God's strength I will move forward. So th this for the Israelites was a corporate thing. But for us it's personal. The promise comes to us as a personal promise. It comes to us as a, a personal thing. To, so stuff has gone wrong in our lives. But it's not that that's going to hold you. It's not that that will define you move forward if we're grumbling and we're looking down if we're looking backwards we can't look forward we can't receive if we're looking down we can't have our hands out to receive so Jeremiah 29 11 is a promise Jeremiah 29 5 is about positioning ourselves to receive a promise when we're postured to receive, we can receive. Then we're able to seek and expect more. We can pursue more. So we can be victims of our circumstance or we can be victors in our circumstance. I think if we we'll go, we can go into a ministry time, I think we'll go have some more worship happening and um, and we'll go into a ministry time. If anyone wants to look at that issue deeper, if they want prayer for anything, I think we can have some worship happening and 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 just move forward. I think we we can look at those promises.
anyone wants prayer today, don't go until you've received. Don't go until you've had been prayed for.
Look, just really feel as some of us have heard Jeremiah 29, 11 before and go, okay, isn't that nice that there's actually promises over our lives? Isn't that nice? And maybe we've heard it before and, and gone, yeah, God's got promises for people. And maybe you've gone, oh, yeah, maybe even God's got promises for me. But maybe you haven't actually owned that today. And maybe you actually haven't seen it as a promise, but kind of going, oh, yeah, God's got plans. All right. But this is actually a promise over our lives that God actually wants to release today. He wants to release, he wants to release the promise into our lives. Let me tell you that promises release hope. And hope's really important in life, yeah? Promises release hope for us. If you don't have any promises over your life, let me tell you today, you need it. <laughs> There's no point leaving here hopeless today. Does anybody want to leave here totally hopeless today? No. Who wants hope today? Who needs promises over their lives who doesn't have promises over your lives? This is the time to get a promise over your life. The word that Rob bought today is really important for each of us. I really sense that God wants to release hope over lives today. If you need a promise, God might release it to you today. But God actually needs you to say, yep, I want a promise today. I want a promise today. So as we wrap up today, you can still come forward for prayer. There'll be people to pray for you in a penalty if, if you want that. But will you just stand with me in a, in, in, in a place of desiring hope for our lives today? Will you, just, will you just stretch out your hands as we just close up today? Hands out to receive. And we just say, Lord God, today, we thank you for the promises over our lives. And Lord God, today we grab hold of the promise that you have hopes, dreams, and plans for our lives today, Lord. Dreams to, and plans to prosper us, not to harm us, Lord God. Lord God, today we hold on to the, the plans you have for us to prosper us, Lord God. Today we let go of any plans that we've, that we've grabbed onto that don't belong from you, Lord God. And today we know that there's nothing that will come from you to harm us, Lord God. So today, Lord God, we thank you for the promises you released to us. Lord God, right now I just feel it. Um, I just really feel the Lord just actually wants to release promises into our lives. So, Lord God, right now, remind us of things in our lives where you've spoken to us before that may be dreams that we've put aside that we've actually forgotten about, dreams that we've gone, oh, I wanted this, but just through circumstances we've actually dropped or we've forgotten about or they haven't seen important because other things have come. I really feel the Lord wants to remind you of dreams and plans over your life that have been laid to the side. Today, he wants to bring them right to the front of your mind and say, hey, I've still got this. I've still got this for you. So God, release those dreams right now. Lord, bring visions to people now of what, it, of what the plans are you have for their lives. Lord God, today we pray for strategies, Lord God and wisdom in, in how to bring about dreams, Lord God. Today, we choose to partner with you in the dreams that you have for us, Lord God. Speak to us now, Lord God. We're listening. 
We're open to you. We're open to your word for our lives, Lord. Lord, release new plans today over people's lives. New dreams, Lord God. I hear the Lord saying, dream big today. Dream bigger today than you've ever dreamt before. I'm a God who's got it all. Thank you, Lord. invite you Lord to continue to speak to us today Lord God as you come in dreams tonight that people have while they sleep Lord God do you release visions and plans for the future Lord God plans to prosper us not harm us Lord God today we choose to hold on to them Lord God and we thank you for the dreams that you have for us Lord God thank you for the dreams you have for this city Lord God and this country and beyond Lord God we know it's in you we can trust and you alone so God we give you it today we give you our complete trust Give you our all today, Lord God. Some people may need to lay down plans today that you've picked up yourself, plans that you created yourself. You need to say, Lord, I want you to take these and let's work together to align them to your greater plan, Lord God. We're going to formally close the service, I guess, from a formal end. But if you still want prayer or you still want to worship, you can. God's in the business of touching our lives and making us whole and new, yeah?
That's the business he's in. I feel there's somebody here with a really bad neck today that needs healing. So I want to pray for you. I really feel there's somebody with some sort of reflux thing going on. It's the best way I can describe it. But if that's you, I'm going to wait for the. I'm going to wait at the front here. And if you want prayer for that, if you want prayer for any sort of healing, that's the God we serve. That's the God who. That's that's the heart of God. That's part of His plan for our lives. Yeah. So if that's you, just come to the front for prayer. We're going to formally end the formal service. If you want to stay and worship, if you want prayer, please come to the front.